Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I always am, to be chatting with my guest today, Mr. Mohammed Basuni. How are you, Mohammed? I'm doing great. How are you? I am great. It's the long, We're going into the long weekend. It's Friday. It's a little overcast out, but it's warm, so I'm not complaining. We're getting a little bit of summer in Calgary, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm such a Canadian. I, I have to talk about the weather all the time. It's like I'm addicted to starting every conversation with a weather with a weather note. Hey, everyone. Here's the weather today from me. Um I got introduced you to a mutual friend and was really interested because someone who didn't grow up as playing games, I grew up in the get outside if the weather's nice, don't play video games kind of guy. But then a few years ago, I decided to go, you know what? I think I'm missing out. So I got a PS4, I got into gaming and a mutual friend told me about yourself and that you had built a video game and something you'd always been incredibly passionate about. And you and I had a conversation. So I thought it'd be fun to get, get you on the show and like talk to tell a little bit of the story and your own passions around like what drove you and kind of what's the process to create your own video game. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, so I've been, I've had a passion for video games, um, from a very young age. I've played a lot of video games from, you know, good old school Nintendo to, um, you know, computer games. My sister was in computer science, so I had access to a computer very early on in my life. Um, I would play around with uh, Tetris on MS-DOS and just have fun with that. Um, and then when I finally got to grade six, uh, we learned how to program, and that was it. I started making games. Um, I started making programs. I would actually, um, so my dad had a programmable calculator, and I would make games on that uh, for fun. So I've always been passionate about making games. Um, so when I went to high school, um, I, of course I took the programming options. <laughs> and, <laughs> what makes it curious, Mohammed, just to put context, how, how old are you? How old are you now? I'm 39. Okay. Just curious. So uh, I'm a little, little few years older than you, but so when you were younger, when computers were really, you, you kind of were at that perfect age, you were really curious. You had a passion for it, but it also was really starting to emerge. Just thinking about what the world was like you know, 30 years ago. Yeah, no, the world was a very different place. Um, I mean, <laughs> when I was in high school, there was no cell phones or anything like that. Um, we were still using... Did you guys have Did you guys have a room full of computers at your high school? Like, yes. or was it like one computer that everybody shared? So you no. did have access when you were younger. No. So at my high school, we had, um, we had labs where everybody had a computer and okay. everybody was programming. Now, this was... Uh, oh, yeah, I think... I was really excited when I was in high school and uh, Windows 95 was released. And then we had okay. like these 50 floppy disks that we had to put in one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I, wow, you're going way back. Like, we're going to have an audience that goes floppy disk. What is he even like? What is he even, what's he even talking about? I know. So, so yes, you, you, were, you were there at the beginning is what I'm hearing loud and clear. Oh yeah, this was like when Apple was taking off and there was the Apple IIe and you know all kinds of cool stuff was going on. Yeah, this was like the boom of the personal computer. Everybody was buying a computer. Um, so you you were there when was what was the first wasn't the first video game Pong wasn't that was that considered one of the first or that one that I'm maybe showing my ignorance that just was whenever you read about the video game era they always usually like a, I watch a like a YouTube channel what on it and it's always um, uh, Pong is what they show is like one of the first like hey what if we made this happen what if we could play against each other is always I remember seeing that as kind of the universal example of kind of when it started <laughs> yeah you're right so Pong that was on the Atari so um, I'm from Egypt so I grew up in Egypt. And uh, over there, yeah, we had the Atari. It was like a handheld thing where you move your hand and stuff. And it was on the TV, so there was no computer. But we just we played it on the yeah we played it on the TV because there was no computers uh, when I was growing up. 
Um, but yeah, things have changed. So like by the time I was in high school, personal computers had taken off. Um, I was, uh, so I was programming. So we were doing Pascal and uh, we also learned C++. So C++ was just, um, you know, it was just taking off. It was just created um, and we had just learned how to do it. So it was brand new, like C++, it was brand new, like when I was in high school. So uh, I was really excited to, you know, install it and use it and make programs with it. It was really cool. So after I graduated high school, I said, okay, I love programming. I love doing stuff for fun. I'm going to buy Visual Studio. So after I graduated high school, I went out and I bought Microsoft Visual Studio uh, for home use. And I just made random programs. And, um, you know, I, so what my degree in university was in chemical engineering, uh, because of peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a key part of the story because I think, you know, especially video gaming growing up, if you at that point in your life said, I want to be a video game developer or creator, that might have been frowned upon by family or friends or people would have looked at you like you were crazy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because especially if you know like Egyptian families and how we are raised, it's like you're either a doctor or engineer, right? You have to be one of those. I, yeah, I have heard that. I appreciate that. That is I, that, that is not that's not an untrue. That's not an urban. That's not an urban myth. That is actually the truth. <laughs> yeah, like if you tell your parents, "Oh, I want to do arts," they'll say, "Oh, you know, you're going to starve to death." <laughs> yes, yes, the classic parent response to "I want to go into liberal arts" or "I want to be an artist." Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, uh, so, due to peer pressure, not maybe against your own will, you pursued a career, but always kept the passion up for the gaming and the computer side of what you actually really loved. Yeah. So, part of engineering, uh, the first year and a half in engineering is all general. So, we do have to do programming courses. So, I took uh, a beginner and an advanced C plus plus course, um, and that really helped me a lot. And it was a lot of fun. And I aced those courses. Like those were. I got like straight A's in those courses because I loved um, programming and I loved, um, you know, being creative and using your imagination to do stuff. Um, So what I decided to do is uh, I'm going to learn programming on my own. So I went to bookstores. I bought uh, books on how to program 3D games. Um, Yeah, back then it was called OpenGL, Open Graphics Library. So I bought books. I experimented at home. I did my own stuff. Um, and I was, I was really, um, I really loved, um, you know, just going out and trying stuff for fun, um, where I could be creative. I could use my imagination, um, you know, do stuff that uh, nobody had done before. So I was doing. And, and, at that, and at that point, there probably wasn't meetup groups. There wasn't online. Well, probably at that point, was there online forums and places you could go to tap into the community, or was this basically you just figured it out? Because you're passionate about it. Yeah, so there are some uh, gaming um, development websites um, like My Game Dev. Um, I think, yeah, there was a lot of forums and stuff. So I would go on there uh, to see what other people were working on. Um, so in the back of my head, I always said, okay, um, you know, I'm going to start a company and I'm going to start a video game. Because if you think about it, you know, uh, if I go out and I make some kind of product, like a physical product, and I try and sell it as a business, um, you know, that it's a lot harder to actually make something physical than it is to, like, make a computer program. Hmm. So, uh, at least for me, 
Um, I was going to say that's interesting because I wouldn't say <laughs> I wouldn't say you know we sometimes that you know the, the tangible world feels like I can put my hands on it, I can touch it, I can feel it. But you're right. If you think about like supply chain and manufacturing and versus doing it online, it is a very it's two very very different things. But both are creative in the sense that you still have to build something from nothing. Yeah, exactly. And um, to manufacture a product, you got to have like factories, all kinds of stuff. Um, to make this game, you can just sit in your basement and have all-nighters. I mean, so yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> did, did you pull? Did you pull out a long? Was there a lot of? Because I'm assuming you were working at quote unquote your day job while you were also doing like working on this as. So did you literally get open at get home at night, crack open a two liter bottle of Coke, and stay up all night? Uh, and that's a stereotype. I'm well aware <laughs> of what I'm saying here. <laughs> no, I use Monster. I don't know if you tried Monster. Uh, okay, all right. Well, thank you for clarifying. Everyone's everyone's got their <laughs> stimulant of choice. <laughs> no, I love Monster. That stuff is really good. <laughs> the the, pro, the the programmer's fuel right there. <laughs> yes, but remember, I do have other people help me. So this time, I'm not doing it all on my own because okay. uh, yeah, I have other people helping me. So it's not, um, you know, I did create so um, so I created a, a lot of games. You know, I created a lot of games over the years. Um, I made a side-scrolling game when I was in high school where you just where you have to get the star, and I made different levels and stuff. And then I made uh, an RPG game. Um, when uh, the city of Calgary was going to kick out um, the people who lived in a trailer park home, uh, it was called Midfield. And uh, yep, I, I remember that. that yeah. So Midfield was the trailer park that the city wanted to get rid of. And you know, these people they were pretty desperate. You know, they were not rich. They were uh, they didn't have a lot of money, and the city didn't really treat them very well. So I said. Um, you know, I'm going to make a game that will have this midfield mobile home park live on forever, you know, so that people 20 years from now can play the game and can see how it used to look and stuff. So I went out. Oh, that's interesting. So from a, from a social justice or a social yeah. commentary perspective. Oh, that's an interesting twist. When we first chatted, you hadn't mentioned that. Yeah. That's really interesting. And so you mapped, so you built the game to be very like basically at scale to the way the park was laid out. Yeah, exactly. And, um, Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, super cool. Yeah, I went to, because this is the power of games, right? A lot of people think, oh, you know, games is just something you give your kids to do in the basement and it's not really benefiting them, right? But my mm -hmm. idea with games is why not make a game where people can learn something, you know, where people can use it in their life. Um, so I made this game. So I talked to the people in the mobile home park. I went and actually talked to many of them. And I put those characters in the game. Like I put those people that I talked to, I put them in the game so you can actually talk to them and you can see what they say. And then after you talk to them, they tell you go to city hall and then you have to go to city hall and talk to the mayor and the alderman and stuff. So it's really cool. Um, that Oh, wow. So you, so that became like a, like, you were engaged with City Hall. You were engaged with the community, all in the guise of like, to your point, like a video game, which can often be seen if you don't know as just a mindless something that has no value or or, or has no commentary. So you used it as a medium yeah. to communicate a message as well as to create a game. Exactly, exactly. And um, I had made games. Uh, so when I was in high school, I actually made uh, 3D animations uh, for my physics class. Um, after I finished all my physics assignments in um, in high school, I said, well, wouldn't it be nice if we could see the concepts through animation on the computer? So I made an animation for each level that we were taking in physics. Like, so when we did the atom, I had an atom that was bouncing off stuff. I made animations for each of the levels that we used in uh, physics. Um, so that was another way where you can make something, you know, where people can benefit or they can learn from it. Um, 
That's super, that's super interesting. When you think of the world we have today where there's so many options for animations and, you know, but again, that was, that's re, that's a relatively recent, like, you know, so when was that? Maybe it was that 10 or 15 years ago in terms of timeline. Yeah. I was in high school probably uh, 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, da- we're dating each other here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm ancient. How long ago was that? How old were you at 90? Whatever. Yeah, I feel oh, interesting. So thinking about it, and then would your classmates then use it? So then you would just share it with everyone in the class? Yeah, so I showed it, yeah, I showed it to um, all my uh, my other students that were with me in the class. I showed it to the prof or to our teacher. And um, no, that was just, a, you know, that's how much I liked the stuff, the animation stuff that I said, you know, why not do it, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, to make something useful that people can see. Um, and same idea with this uh, mobile home park uh, I felt, you know, these are the skills I have. You know, I have a skill that I can use to, because there's not a lot that we can do for these people because, you know, they were kicked out. The city paid them 10000 for their $100,000 place. <laughs> yes, I, re- I remember when that all went down. <laughs> yeah. So, And did you have did you have any members of the community? Like were people, I guess, I'm just curious. That's just doing it in itself is really interesting. And kudos to you for taking that initiative of, I love so many ways to to have a voice, you know, and you the way you chose to do that. Did anyone? Did you get to engage in anyone with from the park? And like, did they? I guess because I know that didn't end well, right? So I'm just I'm just curious of like yeah. how that long term residual impact of that. So actually, I um, I organized a demonstration in front of city hall, and um, and one of the city councilors, Jeremy Farkas, he was actually mm-hmm. supporting me, and I I emailed him the game and stuff. And he said it was really cool, and he really liked it. But um, remember, in City Hall, it's hard to to get anyone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it absolutely is. But but I love what you did because so oftentimes we hear not to this is we're not going to do an episode on, on on social justice. But when you hear a story like that, like I heard about it, and I said, "Oh, that's terrible that that's happening." But I couldn't really relate, and I didn't really understand. But when you play the game, you would be like, "Oh, this is their home. This is their community. Yeah, exactly. This is where they live." Like it, it's such a power to to transport you there. And I think games do a fantastic job. And you know, we, we could talk about virtual reality and augmented reality and kind of where that's headed. The ability to transport you there to either you know be able to empathize or to just have an experience while quote unquote in the comfort of your own home that's incredibly powerful and i've certain instances of there was a game made i think it was a virtual reality game a couple of years ago where you actually were able to walk through a refugee a refugee camp to oh, understand wow. what was happening in syria and they said it was incredibly emotional and they used it for members of the un to actually understand like you need to experience what's actually happening in this refugee camp yeah. versus just treating it as kind of like a nameless faceless number and so hearing you talk that's an incredibly powerful way to get people to understand and then they can choose to feel the way they want to feel but when you don't, when you don't know what those that other group is going through, it, it's easy to not maybe empathize or to treat it like a another thing on your list to like, okay, we need to get rid of this community, check it off. <laughs> these are people, these are people's lives, these are people's homes. But it sounds cold, but I think that's often what can happen in bureaucracy without a, without an ability to create connection. Yeah, exactly. You have to um, you have to do your best, and mm-hmm. I mean, each of us, we all have a different gift. We have different skills, right? You know, I'm not uh, I'm not a political person where I can organize political campaigns and stuff. I'm not like that. You know, my skills are limited, and um, so I figured, you know, why not use the skills that I have, whatever it is, to just help them out. Um, so I did that, and that was uh, that was really good. Um, now, after that, I said, okay, um, I'm very I'm gonna get serious about making a game. So 
the first game that I started seriously um, making was a first-person shooter. So I said, okay, we're going to have a first-person shooter game. Um, and this was maybe um, four years ago. I said, we'll have um, a first-person shooter game and we'll make all the levels and stuff. And uh, so we were going hard at like the story. We're going to develop the story. We're going to, uh, we're going to make this game really fun. We're going to go into all kinds of details. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, and I had someone with me at the time. Unfortunately, we just ran out of, um, we just ran out of money and ran out of uh, resources and that game was dead. Um, and well, I think it's easy also to not realize if you've not been involved with that kind of behind the scenes production to your point, how much time and energy yeah. and like from storytelling to the graphics, like it isn't, it's, it's almost like building uh, it's, it's like, it's like creating your own little mini movie or, or mini series. I don't, I wouldn't even know what to compare it to you to make it easy to understand, but it's a heck of a ton of work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, if you look at the triple A studios, uh, those guys have like hundreds of people working on a single game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're only human, you know. Sometimes for years, for like <laughs> yeah, for long, long exactly. periods of time. Mm. Right. So um, my, so there's only there's only so much monster energy a guy can drink. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> then you get a heart attack and die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And that, and that doesn't benefit anybody. So let's avoid, let's avoid getting to that part of the story. <laughs> yeah. So my light bulb moment happened when uh, Fortnite got released. And um, so when I saw Fortnite, I'm like, oh, my God, look at this game. They... Um, you don't have to do a story. You don't have to do character development. All you need is just one map, people playing together online. Um, so you basically, once you make one level and you model the characters, you're basically done because there's no story. They're not trying, there's no quests. You're not trying to develop this huge novel of a story or a movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. yep. So I said- The, the epic the, the epic saga, yeah, if you will. Exactly, because uh, that's where all the work goes. So I said, okay, what if we reposition ourselves um, with the game, with the first-person shooter that I was planning? It was supposed to be like a sci-fi uh, adventure game. Well, I said, okay, why don't we um, take elements of that and make a new Battle Royale, it's called. It's a new genre. It's called Battle Royale uh, that mm -hmm. Fortnite is. Why don't we just make one level, have people fight each other off, and that's it. And that will... That will cut down our development time by like ninety nine percent. Okay, that's a, that's appealing from a project management perspective. Right there. How do we how do we get to an outcome that we're happy with, but we cut out ninety nine percent of the work? That sounds like a good deal. Let's do that. Yeah, and I mean, I did sold sold on that. Yeah, idea. so that was that was like the light bulb moment for me. And um, what I saw is people actually um, people actually did this. So other companies went out and they created battle royale games. And they were very popular, and some of them actually, they rose up really fast, and then they died really quickly because um, mm. they just ran out of uh, oomph. They ran out of energy. Um, and and is that just is there a novelty factor in the game, or is that also part of the? I would imagine the skill to use it, maybe a term, the, the stickiness of like some of those human dynamics of how do I feel like I'm always getting better? How do I always strive for that next level? Do some of those more simple games run the risk of like providing an experience, but then it kind of it, it's it's done? Like I went, I did the thing, like I rode the roller coaster, it was fun, but I know it's going to be the same next time, so I'm not going to ride it anymore. Is that is that also something that's maybe inherent with those simpler? More, I would say, less dynamic, but not not that in a bad way. Games. Oh, totally. If you um, if you yeah. just make you know a me too game where I want to do all the same stuff they're doing, yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna play it once and then they're gonna throw it away. 
what we wanted to do is we wanted to make something unique. Um, so I said, okay, why not have portals so that, um, you know, and so that if you're chasing someone, because I've played Fortnite, remember, I played Fortnite last, right? And um, I'm imagine being a good gamer means also playing a lot of good oh, games. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it goes, goes with the territory, I get it. Yeah, so when I was playing Fortnite, so when somebody sees you, they kind of uh, try and kill you and they run after you. So what I said, okay, in my game, why don't we make portals? And then lo and behold, as soon as we, I came up with that idea, um, Electronic Arts came up with a game that already had portals. And uh, so they didn't copy me, but my, so I came up with the portal idea and then they created um, something called Apex Legends, which is um, just like Fortnite, but it has portals. So, um, so I came up with this idea as new concept for our game, but then couple of weeks when we were working on the game, then uh, Electronic Arts released this Apex Legends, which is uh, which had portals. So anyways, but that's not the only thing unique in our game. We wanted to make our game unique in different ways. Um, the first one was the portals. The other one is we want to use a real location. Um, mm, that, okay, back to maybe a little bit of your learning from working with the, the trailer park example. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, the trailer park, exactly. So in the trailer park, I had to recreate 16th Avenue. So I made 16th Ave. I made the bridge to Chinatown. I put in Chinatown in the game. Um, now remember, mm -hmm. this is 2D. I didn't do 3D. It was just a 2D uh, yep. game. But you can still see the Chinatown. And I made the City Hall building too. <laughs> because it's So that people, absolutely. So people like, and there's nothing more powerful than like as a, as a player to go like, oh, hey, I, re I recognize <laughs> that. Like I, I'm immediately connected because I know it's in my neighborhood. Yeah, so... I made the city hall building, and then I made the mayor and the the councilwoman uh, who was in charge of the. So you can talk to them. You can go up and talk to them and stuff. And um, so I took that to the next level with the game. I said, okay, we're going to make a real location. And um, because I'm from Egypt, so I said, okay, we'll make it in Egypt, um, and we'll make it uh, a famous square uh, where we have buildings, restaurants, banks, um, you know, the real apartments. Uh, you could go into the apartments. You can see um, the restaurants, the banks, the portals. You can fight other people. So we gave. So you have half an hour. You're in there for half an hour. You can hide if you want for the half an hour. If you hide, then after 25 minutes, we start like a killing wave where if you stay in the same spot, you just uh, you're gonna die eventually. So you have to go away from that thing that kills you, and then uh, we kill everybody. So. You have to find everyone and you have to kill them before the before the time's up. And uh, the characters that we picked uh, were uh, authentic Egyptian characters, so you can pick one of three characters. And um, and that's another thing too is that we want it to be authentic and we want you know it to be real, so that if somebody actually lives in that square, um, you know they can recognize it. And when I so when I went to Egypt after we made this map. When I went to Egypt, even though the graphics were not, uh, because remember we're a small company, we're, we don't have the AAA graphics, so we can't do. Yep, yep. <laughs> we can't. I appreciate that. We can't do that yet. But what we can do is uh, using the tools we have well, that we have, we can actually create a very good um, map. So when I was there in the square, um, when I played the game, you can actually feel that you're in that square just from playing the game. It can take you back to that uh, square. So just imagine, like, if you grew up in um, if you grew up somewhere and you know, like you grew up in this area and you knew it inside out in your heart, right? 
Yep. And you know it inside of your heart. Wouldn't it be nice to recreate it and then go back and visit that and have all those memories come back to you? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the kind of experience uh, that we wanted to create. Um, and the cool thing is, is that we're going to make a Calgary map. Ah, nice. That's your day. Sorry, what? When? When? I know. I know, but I want to share with the audience. What's the name of your of your current game? The one that focuses on that Egyptian uh, square. So the name is called Zoldax. Uh, okay. Z u l d a x x. Nice. You can look it up on Facebook, our website, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything. And um, so, I'm, I'm revealing this today, but nobody knows this yet on our website. Right? Oh, excellent! I love I love a secret reveal. Yeah. I didn't know this was coming. Excellent! This is a secret reveal. We're gonna make a Calgary map, and you're gonna be able to play in the real streets of Calgary. I'm not gonna tell you where in Calgary. <laughs> okay. No, no. I think that's good. That will just. It's, I like teasers. I like. I like rolling it out slowly. Yeah. So I, that's awesome. And what what's your timeline for the Calgary map? So the Calgary map. Or the Calgary Calgary version, I should say. The Calgary level. Um, we're looking at about. Um, two to three months. Um, oh, okay, yeah. excellent. So, like into into the fall, like but but ready for the Christmas season, yeah. the Christmas playing season. Yeah. Excellent. So when everybody's at home uh, at Christmas in the basement playing video game, they'll have something to do. <laughs> yeah, that's, yes, absolutely. <laughs> something that connects them to their own community and somewhere maybe they they grew up or spent some time in. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the little secret that nobody knows until now. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. Th- thank you for ho- for allowing me to host that that secret. So, with 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 Zoldax, how long has it been out, or how long has it been live? To I've been like to, that I, that myself as a as a general user could play it. So Zoldax, uh, we released it last year, um, so 2019 um, around the summertime, and um, so what I've been doing is um, we had a lot of campaigns, a lot of marketing campaigns, and we also used influencers. Um, so we reached out to people on Twitch. And we um, we sponsored them to play Zoldax, and um, okay. and the results were, as I told you before, um, like we had we had this one girl play um, on Twitch and invite all her viewers to play, and that one hour of her playing, um, like because we can see the analytics, we can see the, mm-hmm. you know, we can see how many people are playing, logging in, so. Our graphs just lit up with all kinds of colors that we never saw before during it. Yeah, that yeah. must have been. It must have been. So you must have been like. And just for anyone who's listening, Twitch is a platform where you can physically watch other people play video games. Yeah, essentially, is that an easy? That's the most simplest way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, Twitch is a website where people can stream what they're doing uh, with the games they're playing. Uh, so people have like millions of viewers. Some people have subscribers. So there's a, there's a huge population uh, of gamers that are ready to watch people. And so, yeah, so we used, we used different marketing strategies and uh, that Twitch streamer, um, it was a very big success and the game was downloaded uh, a lot and we had a lot of views and we had people liking us on Facebook. So we ran, um, so we did that. We also did, uh, I also ran Facebook uh, ad campaigns. Mm-hmm. So I ran Facebook ad campaigns to, um, you know, to make people like the page, to get downloads. And that was also very good. Um, you know, I I learned a lot about Facebook marketing and um, and stuff like that. Which is, let's be, be honest, is a bit of a game unto itself. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've um, I've got a very good strategy on um, on Facebook ads, and I know exactly what kind of ad to run for how many days. What works, what works, yeah, and what doesn't exactly. work. Exactly. I have tons of experience in that, uh, just from the last year and all the campaigns that I've run. 
I would assume like everything in business, whether back to your analogy of building a product or building a game, I'm, I'm assuming as the creator, you're just constantly like, oh, I'm going to change that. I'm going to make that better. I could imagine it's almost addictive of like, where do you draw the line of you're probably always constantly thinking about the next thing that you want to do with the game in your mind. Oh, mm-hmm. of course. Um, you're coming up with new features constantly. And the thing is, we don't have infinite time. You have to pick what you yes. yeah, you have to pick what you think is going to actually be the most valuable exactly so and that's what we did so with all the bug fixing and new stuff that we added um you know we played it ourselves too so i play with the other um people that are developing and working on it we all play together and we all try and see okay well that wasn't very fun or the music here is not good or the sound effect needs to go so we play together and we kind of uh say oh this didn't work or we have to fix this for the next build um, so yeah, no, that's interesting. Do you find is it is the video gaming community are they very inclusive that way? Because you know, again, I've had lots of entrepreneurs on and like different shows that I do about how 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 you have to almost set your ego aside to be really open to like, oh wow, thanks for telling me that that sucked, like that you hated that, like I'll fix it. And that sounds aggressive, but is the is it a fairly inclusive community in the sense that everyone's wanting to quick to help you make your game better because ultimately it gives them a better game to play at the end of the day. Everybody wins. Um, you know, there's. Um that's a very good point, and uh, there are people that will give you good constructive feedback, but there are also haters. Um, there's troll. There's trolls out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is. Like <laughs> I was, um, whenever I make a post or whenever I put an ad on Facebook, um, I have to constantly monitor it, and it's a full-time job. You have to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. with deleting comments, um, because some people are just rude. They'll insult you. They swear at you. They'll. Do all kinds of stuff so it's unfortunate but it's the yeah. internet right there's nothing you- <laughs> <laughs> yes it is you got to have some thick skin yes and, you know i was listening to joe rogan the other day and he had a guest on who was not as popular as he was and he was talking about reading all his comments and joe rogan was like dude stop reading your comments man like what are you doing it'll ruin your day like go just forget about it like people are gonna love you people are gonna hate you like and that's different because it's more about a persona but that was his advice of like just stop reading the comments in your case you're looking for constructive feedback to actually make the game better yeah so you have to filter the the unfortunately the negative just like just bad human, bad human entity kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like some of my ads, uh, they went to as many as, um, because people were sharing it so much that it had like 150,000 views. 150. That's exciting. Yeah, That's awesome. 150,000 views. So imagine if, um, imagine if all those people wrote comments, you know, how much I would have to do. Figure yeah, and out of one hundred fifty thousand, <laughs> not you know, you're gonna have, some people are gonna love you, some people aren't gonna care, oh. and other people are not gonna love you for sure. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Because you're you're literally like you're real, truly putting yourself out there in an eco. Like you put a new product out, you're not maybe going to hear from everybody, but in the digital sphere, everyone has a voice and they use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, they're gonna say, "Oh, you suck. Oh, this game is worse than Super Mario." Or- um, you know, they're going to, or the graphics are terrible. Yeah, of course the graphics are terrible. Then, Being yeah. compared to Super Mario is maybe not a bad thing considering how popular and successful that game has been. Like, I don't care if you don't like it. I don't think you could tell anybody who doesn't even know gaming and say Super Mario, they're going to know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's become part of our, it's also become part of our culture. You know what I mean? Like that's become like a nuance. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, some people said, oh, the graphics are terrible. You know, you guys, uh, you guys screwed up or you guys are terrible. So, uh, so, so you've developed some thick skin along the way is what I'm hearing. Oh yeah. You have to, you have to really, uh, think positive and just, uh, keep going basically and don't run out of energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so get a case of monster. I got a curious question for you and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit on this one, but I've, I've read some different articles about it over the years and things. The, 
there's oftentimes a complaint that I hear and you know, I've read about it and certainly I've, I've played a lot of these games. There's a high degree of violence in video games. And there's, there's you know, some schools of thought that psychologically that it's actually damaging or it creates more of that perspective on the world for young minds and you know, all that stuff. And if it's any thoughts on that, of the fact that violence often is such a cornerstone of a lot of video games? Yeah, so that's a very good point. And um, I did think about this when I was marketing it um, because you're going to ask yourself, well, what if kids start playing this? Um, mm-hmm. And um, so with what we've done so far, um, when you kill someone, I think there's like two drops of blood and there's nothing like graphic, like there's no body parts flying or anything like that. Because there are some incredibly graphic, yeah. I know the horror genre of video games or VR is is, unfor- is, is incredibly popular from what I've read. Yeah, I mean, you can, uh, there's a whole spectrum and you're absolutely right. Um, there's games that are very violent, they're very graphic, and they're only adults, like the rating goes all the way from PG to like, um, uh, to like adults only. So yeah, you can have, you can have a whole range of stuff. What we've tried to do um, is to try and be broad and not, um, uh, not be too violent so that you, if your kids play it, you know, like you don't feel f- bad playing it in front of your kids. Uh, if your kids, yep, yeah, no, I understand. kids want to try. So yeah, we did take a position on that. And that was, uh, we were not going to be, Super violent because again, it limits you. You want to be as broad as possible and have the biggest audience as possible. If you mm-hmm. if you're like super violent stuff, that will limit your uh, your audience, and you know we don't want that. But I also appreciate that it is a moral and ethical choice to you as the as the developer to say, you know, there's one thing about my audience, there's another thing about what's important to me. And I'm assuming your own beliefs and values come through in the game and how it gets played and how it sets up because you know you're the arch- you're the architect of how the characters interact with each other. And you know, ultimately you have to feel good about what you put out there or feel comfortable with that. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, my um, my spirit is in that game. Like when everybody plays that game, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's my baby, yeah. right? Like I made it, you know, I did all this stuff and all my values have gone into the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and which is interesting when you think about it, it's so, you know, when you go to the store and you pay your $80 for your AAA, you know, ghost recon or whatever it is, that was the game I played the most. So I got really hooked on that for a while. It was a great game. Uh, the Badlands was really good, but the level of like, you because it's you know it's a massive team. I didn't sit there and think about well, who are the people that came up with the way these characters talk and the way they act and like because I I've been in environments where there's 15, 20 people in the room coming up with that. Where when you think about the the small, very personal, like this is a personal project for you and one other a team member, like you know that's a direct reflection of what you guys believe and what you want to put out there to the world. Just it just makes me. I'm just thinking openly on the the different perception of a smaller game. And it's it's like reading a short story or or a, a series of articles written by a whole bunch of different people. You know, it's not the same connection you get to the creator, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, um, we're not we're definitely not competing with the AAA studios. I mean, Electronic Arts, Blizzard, um, Ubisoft. You know, those guys. Yeah, they can make they can make you see like the tiniest details and all their graphics. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's the level, the level that goes into those games, and like something will happen. You're like, wow, somebody thought to put that in there. Like that, like nothing, nothing is in there by accident, right? Yeah. Someone had to think to make the butterfly fly away at that exact moment, or whatever silly <laughs> thing it is. And you're like, wow, like it, it almost it, it allows you to transport yourself into a sense of 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 connected into that world because it is so real. And I think the brain just kind of eventually goes, Oh, well, this is really happening because you get so connected to it. That's where virtual reality, especially I've done a little bit of VR and man, you're in there for moments before you're actually just in there. Like your brain loses track of reality really quick. Well, I shouldn't say that 
their game becomes reality really quickly. You don't lose track of it. It becomes reality. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And uh, in order for an indie game or a small-scale game to be successful, you have to be really fun to play. And um, mm-hmm. I know if someone's like a triple A AAA studio, you might think, well, they're never going to make any bad games. But what happened is, uh, I don't know if you heard about Blizzard, but um, so Blizzard makes like Warcraft and Starcraft and all those games. Okay, yeah, which is which are kind of yeah. legacy or kind so of uh, institutions. Blizzard has like billions and millions of players, and they're very popular. So you think, okay, they're not going to make a bad game, right? Well, they actually did. <laughs> and and when they, and when they make a mistake, that's a multi-million-dollar oh, mistake. Yeah. It, it's almost like a big studio putting out a bad movie. Yeah. So like. They put out this uh, cheap phone game for Diablo, which is one of their main franchises. Yep. And uh, the fans just totally, they were boycotting them. They were canceling subscriptions. They were like, they totally screwed up. And they were like, they're one of the most popular uh, studios that anybody plays, right? And so it just teaches you that for us as an indie game, to be successful, it really has to be fun. If it's not fun and people are not playing it, then uh, then you're, you're screwed. It has to be fun. People have to like. <laughs> I love what you boil it right down to. I always joke. We're all, we're all like little kids. If it's fun, I keep doing it. If it's not fun, I throw it against the wall and I leave. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a bit dramatic, but no. I love your. I love the just like let's boil it down to the basics. Is got people have to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great mandate as like what's our what's our main purpose as a company to make sure people have fun and we do it through video games. Yeah. That's a pretty cool mission. <laughs> if you don't have fun playing this game, then uh, then we have failed. As a as a gaming company or whatever, it has to be fun. People have uh, to enjoy. I like I like I like that a lot. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's a pretty cool mission in life where it's like we, we we're here to deliver fun. We just do it. Use there's many ways to have fun. We choose to do it with our indie video game approach, which is low barrier to entry. Anybody can download it, play on your computer, play on your phone. It sounds and it's like it's very high, it's highly accessible. Yeah. So and also you get to learn about uh, a new culture. So um, so in Egypt, of course, the pyramids and all of that. What we put in the game is we actually put the Sphinx. Uh, so there's one, so we have a real square, but there's one thing that's not real in the square. And that's, we put the actual Sphinx in the middle of the square. So that's... Yeah, uh, you give people a sense of, because we all know that part of Egypt, we probably don't know about the square, yeah, right? right? If you haven't been there. <laughs> exactly. So the square is authentic for the most part, except for um, the Sphinx that's right in the middle. And it's actually spinning. So you see it spinning and stuff. So what... Um, now again, because there's no story, uh, there's not a lot that we can do. But we did put um, the Sphinx there um, to show people, you know, this is Egypt. We also put um, uh, a church and a mosque. They're all closed off, so you can't go in and shoot anybody. It's it's all just for show, like it's all um, just yep. for show. But we did put, you know, a church and a mosque just to show that, you know. Um, this is how people like uh, tolerance, you know, to show people can live in tolerance. Mm, I like that. Oh, I, I, it's interesting. When you and I first chatted, obviously we didn't get into the details, but I really appreciate how you've kind of brought in. And I'm certainly hearing, I listened to you talk, even your involvement with the, the trailer park and that situation, your, your, your social advocacy and your own beliefs kind of showing in around inclusion and being able to bring that into the game is a great way to subtly show people that, Hey, we can, we can all get along even while we're chasing, while we're trying to kill each other in this yeah, game. So, <laughs> The, and the cool thing is, is that this square, so the church and the mosque are actually real. They're real um, places and they're real buildings. And we actually duplicated them in the game. We recreated them. Um, and they look very close to how the actual buildings look. 
So no, I appreciated the level of detail that you guys uh, have gone to, but also the the social commentary that you've embedded into the game. I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, when I was growing up in Egypt, um, we always had this big, huge mosque right next to a big, huge church, and I thought that was really cool because it showed it showed that people can live, you know, in peace and harmony, hmm. and have tolerance for each other, um, even though like people fight wars and stuff, but. Um, if you see something just as simple as you know a mosque and a church being uh, next to each other, and that's how it really is in 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 Egypt, in that uh, square is where I grew up, basically. That's and, that's um, it. so that was that. I love that. And again, from the outside, you might not know that as someone in North America. Like I've traveled all over the world, I've never been to Egypt, so I didn't necessarily. But to see that, I'd be like, oh. It's amazing how much you can tell without saying anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the other thing that we did is the characters that you pick to play. Um, some of them have Christian names. Some of them have Muslim names. So, um, so you know, so you feel that everybody's included. You know, it's not like oh, if I'm Muslim, I can't play this game. If I'm Christian, so we made the characters um, both Christian and Muslim names, so that you know everybody could feel welcome. You know, playing the game. Well, I, I appreciate how you've done that almost out. subconsciously without calling it out. Like it's it's just like I'm going to pick my name and I see both. I just matter. I just automatically feel there's a level of inclusion without anyone having to say that we're doing it that doing that. Yeah, exactly. And um, when we make this Calgary map or Calgary level that we're working on, we're going to try and incorporate the culture of Calgary and the history of Calgary. Um, you know, and make it really uh, vibrant so that you, it'll be very easy to recognize. Uh, the locations and stuff. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to follow that model that we did with our Egypt level. We're going to follow the same kind of cultural aspects in Calgary too. So hey, I'm, cu I'm curious, and this is a random question. I mean, maybe this is something for you and I to talk about off online. Have you reached out to anything in terms of um, the arts community for sponsorship around this or Calgary economic development around like, Hey, we're trying to, we're building a game that's going to showcase some of Calgary. Maybe that's something that you guys want to get involved with. Is there any programs or is there anything that you're aware of? And again, maybe you and I could talk about this offline where you can get involved. Cause when you're doing something like that to, to, one showcase Calgary or showcase a community in this case, Calgary, we're talking about to me, that's nothing but advantageous for a city like Calgary, who's also trying to get themselves on the world stage a little bit more and having people be able to like, well, what is Calgary like? And like, oh, isn't that just some, you know, small town? Isn't that a bunch of cowboys? Or, you know, again, I'm over stereotyping, but I don't know. I just think that might be interesting. Is is there programs available or even broader sense to support these types of initiatives, the gaming industry, but more importantly, technologies uh, in a way that they would help showcase the city or the province? Well, you know what? If you have any connections in Calgary Economic Development, you can hook me up. I might. Somewhere. You know what? Okay, That'll we're going to do that. I'm going to make a note because I do. Be and this, I have had a recent conversation with them about something they were trying to create to be able to allow people to experience Calgary more virtually and what that looked like. So I do. So let's put a pin in that. You and I'll talk about that after. Okay. So I do have some. Yeah, if you can hook me up, that would be great. Yeah. But remember, Calgary has already had uh, game studios um, before. So um, there's a great game. A studio. They're actually helping me to. Uh, it's called Red Iron Labs. Okay. Um, they made a, a game uh, called Abduction about aliens. Okay. And they do um, virtual reality. Uh, they're more of a virtual reality company. Yeah, I think so I, they I, think I talked to somebody. I think I was on a call with with some people from Economic Development, and one of the guys from uh, Red Iron Labs was actually on the call. Yeah. So small. Yeah, Red well, Calgary's such a small town. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all know each other because it's uh, it's tiny. Like, yeah, of course. Here, so. Red Iron um, is helping me with this game. So they are, um, you know, they are 
but again, if you have access to money that you can give me, that would be great. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I appreciate that. And so what, what, one last question I'm just curious about. With so much inclusion in everything that you're doing around socially and some of the commentary that you're embedding in there, when you build video games, is there any thought out there for people with disabilities, like someone who has hearing challenges or has, uh, sorry, I, think, I don't think disabilities is the right term to use, but anyone who has challenges like, I have trouble with my visual, I have trouble with my auditory, uh, I don't hear well or see well. Uh, I'm assuming there's a gaming industry that also supports uh, to give access to for anybody to be able to play. Is that something that you think about when you guys are building your game? Yeah, I mean, so when we um, when we were thinking, okay, which engine should we use um, to build our game? Because we, we didn't build our own engine because that would take too long. Um, so we just used the, the Unity engine. The Unity engine is um, it's a, a worldwide um tested engine has been used on mobile phones and all that stuff what they for the for the disability things um they um because again we're not like we're not some big huge company where we have departments for stuff so we, we don't really uh, we're just trying to get our game out you know we're not um we're not trying to cover all our bases because we're just we don't have enough people of like, course i, I understand that i'm just yeah, you know you, you, only, yeah. you've, you've broadened my thinking around kind of what goes into thinking about the game beyond like, yes, have fun, but how do you bring in some of those other levels of showing inclusion? Yeah. So it just made me think about anyone who, who could feel limited because their maybe hearing isn't as good or their eyesight isn't as good, which are both required, especially eyesight for games. How does the gaming industry cater to that? But I, I do appreciate that yeah. that's maybe another level. Yeah, that's a very advanced for us. We're not that far yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I, I no, which yeah, I which I complete. Good. I got to walk before you got to walk before you run and crawl before you crawl before you walk. Yeah, yeah. So next next step. So for yourself, I know always. You know, I chatted before about the vision of would love to have your own video game company and kind of why not Calgary kind of thing. So is that literally this next iteration is just part of this journey while you still need to have your quote unquote day job? This is something that clearly I don't hear any lack of passion. <laughs> No, it's not a lack of passion. And um, I'm telling you, I have a marketing campaign planned out um, for Calgary. And, um, you know, the more um, the more connections I have with people, I mean, I've tried to connect with a lot of people. Um, I haven't talked to Calgary Economic Development, um, but the I have already, I've made plans for the marketing campaigns uh, for Calgary. And uh, it's going to be great um, when you see it. Um, you're going to love it. So that's that. No, you know what? That's super, that's super, that's super exciting. Well, you keep me posted on what's happening. Cause I'm going to, I want to share that with the world. Absolutely. I love that. I love what you're doing. I love how passionate are you about it. And I was really kind of, it just kind of, I'll be honest, I had my eyes open a little bit to the different thought processes that go into building a game from a social commentary perspective, your ability to have impact that way. And that's really cool. I don't know. I just, it kind of just took it up a notch for me. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I'm very passionate about games, and I think if you try the Calgary level, you'll definitely and the Egypt level too, you'll definitely enjoy it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I have it I have it pulled down on my computer. I've got it up. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, but I'm going to just because now I'm that much more inspired by your story. Well, Mohammed, thanks for coming on the show today. And thanks for sharing and getting into the details of like, you know, kind of the thinking behind it even more. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that would be excited about like, how could I do it? How could I get involved? So if someone wants to reach out and talk to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, so they can, uh, they can go to the website, uh, zoldax.com, Z-U-L-D-A-X-X.com. Um, they can uh, go to the Facebook page. We have Twitter. We have LinkedIn. Uh, my personal email is uh, Mohammed Basuni at yahoo.ca. So that's 
M-O-H-A-M-E-D-B-A-S-S-Y-O-U-N-I uh, at yahoo.ca. And then uh, you can, uh, but I'm very happy that I came on. And thank you so much, Tyler, for doing this. And uh, my goal is to let people know that, you know, never give up. If you have a dream, um, you know, it is always possible. You just have to go out and do it. And drink some Monster <laughs> Energy and work your butt off. No, I'm oh, not. Yeah. That was super inspiring <laughs> today, Mohammed. I'm really glad, I'm really glad I had to come, had you on the show. And and uh, let's stay in touch because I'm happy to, to support and kind of help promote the game and get it out there. And oh, I sure. love local... I love success stories, period, but local stories in Calgary. And I think Calgary has so many great things going on that we don't always hear about. You know what I mean? We always hear the de- the headlines and the negative. And let's get the positive stuff out there because there's so many great things going on in our city. And you're a perfect example of it. So thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, for sure. No problem. My pleasure. Thank thanks, you. Sir. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper. Please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows, and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening, and have an awesome day.